and welcome everybody. Week 13 of the college football season and week 13 of the Blitz simulcast on the Sports Roundtable podcast. I am your host, Chris Westfall. It's good to have you along Wednesday night talking football with the boys. Alongside Neil Waldeck and Kelly Gamble and our infamous Studio B. And nobody behind me in Studio A tonight as Aaron Host. He says he's at school, but we know he's watching game tape. Yeah, well, he's got a pretty good lead. In yeah, the football yeah, picks. He's yeah. To continue that lead, and I think he took another uh, yeah. bye week. He, he it's takes not more a bye week. Than anybody we know. He, he's studying, man. And I'm not talking studying school. Must be something. Actually, man. I'm really glad he's not here. Oh, really? I am. Why is that? Because well, he's throwing Deggy and Chris's Oh, face. my goodness. Last week, I made that silly comment. That Austin Kendall gives the Mountaineers a better shot to win. Obviously, or why isn't Deggy playing, right? Kelly yeah. says the only way we're going to find out is, well, if we play him. And guess what? They played him. <laughs> they played him. Guys, I would love to hear. Uh, uh, Kelly Gamble, let's go to you first because, man, you had given up on this year. I had, pretty much. I mean, and I was right with uh, maybe not so much as with Aaron as overall, but. Uh, I wanted to see Deggy play. He gave us uh, the opportunity to win. I mean, Neil Brown said it best. He didn't turn the ball over. Um, he took big hits. He was uh, he got out of the pocket. He scrambled. He he made plays, and uh, he didn't uh, do anything to, to get us beat. That was Neil Brown's words. And when you protect the football and you have a chance to get out of the pocket and make a play, uh, I think that he scrambles a little bit better than, than Kendall does. So, Obviously, they didn't want to burn the red shirt. Otherwise, I think that we would have saw him earlier in the year. Uh, now is uh, hindsight 2020 when well. it comes to that, or was he healthy? Was he even healthy enough to play early in the year? I think that's the big question. Yeah, and I think coming off that off-season surgery, you wanted to make sure he was healthy enough. You didn't want to risk getting him hurt. Um, but it's interesting. Okay, you don't want to burn the red shirt, right? So you start him last week, and you win a game, keeping your chances of bowl eligibility pretty good. You needed to win three straight, and all of a sudden, you won your first one. If you win this week, and if you get to that bowl game by beating TCU, then do what do you, you do? Do you play him, or do you go back to Kendall? Do you play him and burn the red shirt, Neil? Or do you go back to Austin Kendall for the bowl game? When we had this discussion uh, a couple days ago, or yesterday, matter of fact, uh, on this issue. And, uh, you know, to me, you 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 take who brought you to the dance. And if he got you to that point, to my opinion, I would play. But under the circumstances, they probably would. I wouldn't be a bit surprised if they go back to Austin Kendall so that they don't blow that red shirt. But to me... I would start Daggy in the bowl and game if he got you to if, that point. If, if they get there. Yeah. And it's still a big if. That's a big if. Uh, you're going to end up in a bowl game that do you necessarily need him. Uh, I mean, you know, you're going to end up in a lower-tier bowl game. Does it depend on who, you, who you're playing? Again, I don't think so. I think that uh, – but, but then again, for Neil Brown, that could be a possibility. To me, I'm still sticking with – 
who got you there should then play in the bowl game. This is kind of just like uh, last year when we talked about Greer not playing. Yeah. And we we felt like, well, he got us there, and now he's not going to play. And we were kind of down in the dumps about it. So why wouldn't you want to play Deggie if he got you to that bowl game? But, you know, if it saves him and, and you want him to – play two more years completely then you're not going to play him in that bowl game i mean simple as that here's my biggest question chris what's also kendall what's austin kendall thinking right now is do you think he ends up in another transfer here's the thing if he if he ends up in the transfer portal he has one way to go and that's going to an fcs school because he's already used up as a red shirt he's already a graduate transfer Okay, yes, he does have one more year of eligibility, but if you set out a year by transferring to an FBS-level school, you can't play, and that counts. Because the kid's got to be thinking, I came here to play. I, I, I think, I mean, best bet for him is to be a backup. And that's where he was at Oklahoma. Yeah, I, I mean, and it's nothing against Austin Kendall. I, I, I've got nothing against him. I mean, he took the jump. He came here, he competed for the job, he won it, he didn't get it done, and, and you you know, it's one of those situations, you are what you are, and in this, I just don't see, I don't see him taking that step down to an FCS school just to play. I, I really don't. And then getting back to the, the bowl game, Chris, I mean, you take now, if if they start Deggy this coming week against Oklahoma State and then you finish it off with TCU and you, and let's just say they do win, would you want to stop that rhythm that you got going with your offense? If they've won that many games, three three in a row, are you willing to sacrifice and yank a Deggy out now after you've got a rhythm going with your offense and put Kendall back in? I guess it depends on what you're wanting to do with Deggie and what you've got coming in. If you play Deggie, he burns a whole season of eligibility on five games. Do you want him to be your starting quarterback for the next two years, or do you want to play him a half a season by playing him in the bowl game and saying, look, you got one year, go out and do what you do, and I've got somebody else coming, I've got something else in mind, for after that year. Well, we know that he has Green as right. a quarterback that's coming in that he's highly uh, 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 touted on as, uh, as as your future quarterback. So why couldn't you have Deggy play next year and then have uh, Green? He would then be a sophomore it, it when, de- when it's turned over to him. It depends on what your feelings are on Green. I mean, and only Neil Brown knows that. And do they redshirt Green for a year, the first year? Yeah, you. I would think you would redshirt him that first year. If you're set on Deggie and Kendall stays, I mean, Kendall is good enough to get you over a hump if you need it. Right. And lost in the mix is Trey Lowe. Trey Lowe, I think he's gone. I, I think really after this end of this season, you'll see Trey Lowe transfer out. Either that or hopefully he'll maybe just become a great baseball player because yeah, he does play baseball. You never know. Good. He could. But I, football-wise, I, I think if he stays here, he's content on riding the bench. I, I don't think – and here's the thing on Trelo, and I don't know this for certain, but I would have to say that arm strength and passing is the problem. We know he's an athlete. We know he could run the football. But in this league, can you do that – 
on just your feet. I think I don't we're, know if you're Pat White, and I I don't even know if Pat could have got by with it in the Big Twelve Conference. A, now, I'm not saying anything bad about Pat White. God, don't strike me down right here. But you know, I, I are we in that league? You know, you've got to be able to throw the ball in the Big Twelve. Really, in this day and age of college football, that's where we've moved to. And, and the reasons why you want the quarterback who is mobile and athletic that can't extend plays, and we're going to get into that next. Because if you look at these offensive numbers, when I sat and watched the West Virginia-Kansas State game on Saturday, I thought, wow, this offense looks so much better. They're, they're doing so much better, but did they? Did they? We come in to the game averaging 76 yards per carry on the ground. We're still only able to muster up 85 yards on the ground. Yeah, that's so much. Uh, You had a quarterback that did do 20 for 30 and didn't do anything to get you beat. He didn't. He threw no interceptions, did not turn the ball over, didn't take a bunch of sacks, was able to extend the play out. But it still, guys, he only throws for 234. I mean, the stats aren't something that states great offensive football. However, you were going up statistically against the best defense in the Big 12 Conference. They give up five touchdown passes the entire season, mm-hmm. and Deggie threw for three. Going into that game, Kansas State had only allowed teams into the red zone, the red zone, 20 times. And how many of those were against Oklahoma? Now, here's my other question, and, and, and I, you know, I thought about, but, you know, Kansas State didn't know for sure who was going to start they a quarterback. Didn't. They didn't. And they're probably most likely thinking it was Kendall because that is who Neil Brown has stuck with pretty well up to this point. And then all of a sudden they throw in a wrench, and it's Daggy. Do you think Kansas State's defense was not really prepared to match up with Daggy? Uh, if if they had a whole week to do that. And, and not only that, I'll top that point by saying, not only do I don't think they were ready for Deggy, I think having Deggy in the game allowed you to do things that you couldn't do with Austin Kendall. You saw a lot of new formations. You saw a ton of motion. You weren't able to stack the box against the run because he could beat you, and he proved it early in that game, that if you're going to play man-to-man on the corners against my receivers and you put eight in the box, I'm going to beat you. Yeah, And he, he did. He know and, how to extend a play. And Kendall and, couldn't do that. And the most impressive thing to me was all three touchdowns was on third downs. Mm-hmm. Rather than just trying to pick up the first down, yeah. he's looking to get the ball down the field. And I, and I like that. And I don't think that we've seen that with Kendall. A lot of times on third down, he's just trying to find that yeah. receiver for the first down. Deggie was looking for the – the home run, and and he got it. The most impressive play that he pulled off, third and 22. Absolutely. He extended the play. He got out of the pocket, yeah. was about to take a big hit. Everybody starts to pull up, and Wheaton standing behind everybody wide open. And, you know, congratulations to them, because how hard is it to just hit an, a wide-open receiver on the run? He doesn't drop the ball. He's <laughs> Touchdown! Those it are the was hardest a, catches to make. It is. You were all alone. I mean, yes. all you have to do is turn around and walk into the end zone from there. And, and, and they pulled hit. it off. He did. He took a bunch of big hits he in did. that game. A bunch. And he would stand in there. And I think that's another difference between him and Austin Kendall. 
he would stand in there. He knew he was going to get hit. He still stepped into the ball and released it with power, where Kendall's always kind of falling back. back. Yeah, and can't deliver it with any power when you're throwing off your back foot. I was impressed. Overall, I, I think you have found your quarterback. If it's not going forward through the season and into a bowl game, I think you have found it for the next two years with Deggy. Um, offensive line still has to improve. Yeah. I mean, still, guys, still only 85 yards. And, it, and it's been beat up all year. I mean, it we've is. had injuries all year on in the offensive line, reshuffling, trying to find the right combination. The one thing I can say is I think we finally saw the true Neil Brown, and we got to give Vic Koning a big, oh, big yeah. shout because this man every week, is changing up the defenses to prepare for the particular offense that he's playing. Other than Texas Tech and second half of the Iowa State game and, of course, Oklahoma, West Virginia's defense overall has looked good. Now, you take those few games out, of course, that's you can't. But yeah. bottom line is he's changing things up, and this is the type of coaching staff that I like is to prepare for the opponent mm-hmm. rather than just staying with the same thing. With Chris, you've talked about all year. Yeah. Let's see something different. Yeah, they so did it this defensively, week. Defensively, <laughs> they've been trying to do that. Offensively, they hadn't until now. And, and still, ball control wasn't a big issue in this game because Kansas State still held it, I think, five or six minutes longer than us. But we still gave the defense time off the field. Yes. You know, there was it wasn't just three and out, three and out, three and out, throw the defense out. And there. our special teams has played mm. great the entire they, year. They have. It is unbelievable you've had the turnaround on defense that you've had. Guys, let's set the scene for this week. What do we got? We've got two games to go. You got to win both games to get to bowl eligible at six wins. You start this week with a team in Oklahoma State that's been a little up and down. We will preview those guys after we come back from this very short break. You are listening to The Blitz on 96.7 K-Country and Simulcast with the Sports Roundtable podcast. And welcome back, everybody, here on The Blitz on Preston County's Mountaineer Station, 96.7 K-Country, and streaming, not streaming, <laughs> on our new podcast. You can find us on the Sports Roundtable podcast. So if you've missed any portion of tonight's show, you can get it on the podcast all week long, up until next week, even if you just like us that much and want to listen to it over and over and over again. This Saturday, West Virginia will play Senior Day. Last game for some of the Mountaineers. Not a lot of them. Not a lot. Very young team. They will be hosting the 21st ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys. Jumping into the polls last week. Continuing up to 21 this week with a record of 7-3 and three on the year with losses to Baylor, Texas Tech, which is a head-scratcher. And also, Neil, who did we say the last one was? Baylor, Texas Tech, and Texas. Yes. There are three losses on the year. The Texas Tech game is the head-scratcher to me. Yeah, that would probably be one of their worst 
uh, loss. If you were taking a look at their losses, Baylor and Texas, uh, you they played Texas. It was kind of an up and down kind of game. I think it was come down to who had the ball last, and it was Texas. They ended up winning that game. Baylor was close. I think they lost maybe by three to Baylor. So uh, Texas Tech uh, out of those three would be your ugliest loss of a because Texas Tech four and six. Um, also with a win against Kansas State. 26 to 13. So right. if we're kind of comparing opponents, course, it seems like this should be a good matchup. Yeah. I mean, and you take a look, Kansas State, we talked about that. They have one of the better defenses in the Big 12, and Oklahoma State was able to knock them off. So coming into the game, Oklahoma State averaging 36 points per game on offense, they're allowing only 28 per game putting up almost 500 yards of total offense, 232 in the air, which is a little different for Oklahoma State because you think of these guys as a passing team. But this year has been a coming-out party for Mr. Chuba Hubbard. They went all the way to Canada to find this kid, and he has racked up 259 carries 1,726 yards through 10 games. He's still got two more games to go. He is the top rusher in the Big 12 Conference. And I do believe last time I checked, one of the top rushers in the country. Very Barry Sanders-esque for Oklahoma State. He's also got 20 touchdowns. On the year. So, not only do you have to worry about Oklahoma State's passing game, because they're still averaging 232 yards through the air on the year. Um, quarterbacks thrown for 2,065 yards, 16 touchdowns. You have to worry about shutting down this rushing attack now with Chuba Hubbard. Get used to hearing that name, everybody, because he is going to. Run over 100. There hasn't been a game this year he hasn't rushed for over 100 yards. Fantastic running back. Uh, West Virginia defensively will have their work cut out for them this week. Neil, your thoughts offensively, Oklahoma State. Well, uh, Chris, uh, like you said, this uh, Hubbard is going to be one of their um, probably uh, maybe one of the best backs that they have faced all all season. The best. Though, the best. Uh, Kansas State uh, depended a lot on their running game, and we was able to control them to a point. Um, but this one's going to be a tougher task. I also am excited to see Sanders, their quarterback. This guy has got just uh, a great personality about him. Uh, he can run the ball. So not only has your defense got to worry about Hubbard, but they also got to worry about Sanders. And he is deadly when he gets outside the pocket. He can run it. He can throw. He is going to be a deadly type of guy. And we have had problems of controlling quarterbacks that run. Shoot, we had a problem with Thompson, who is not really a running <laughs> quarterback for Kansas State last year so or last week. Uh, so this one's going to be a little bit more tougher uh, for the Mountaineer defense uh, with Sanders. And then um, they got one of the best, uh, I think, uh, a very good wide receiver in Wallace as well. So uh, these uh, guys are very good offensively. Uh, the Mountaineers will have to play sound defense. It'll be interesting to see what Koning comes up with defensively. His game plan for Kansas State worked out very well. 
So we'll see what he does against Oklahoma State and how he will try to control this Oklahoma State Cowboy offense. And Kelly, you mentioned in our last segment, Vic Coning has done a very good job this year preparing you for the next opponent. And if you want to talk about two completely different schemes, Kansas State offensively, more like a power offense where Oklahoma State still wants to spread you out all over the field and then gash you for big, long runs. This week, big... Big task big for Vic Coney. I mean, you know, and he's, it's like a puzzle. Every week he has to go into the defensive room and say, who do I got to play? you got to find the pieces. <laughs> and he's had to find a piece. Uh, unfortunately, again, Josh Norwood being a senior, beautiful interception, gave up his body. When I first saw it, I thought maybe he just landed on the ball, but he broke a yeah. collarbone. So I broke Unbelievable. a collarbone. I know what it's Unbelievable like. effort. Uh, one of the best effort plays I've seen in a long time from and a defender. And he's a leading tackler. Too. And mm. you know, he's one of the kids that comes from the secondary and he's going to lay the hammer on you. And uh, So him being out is also going to hurt us. I think that whenever he went out of the Baylor game for the targeting, I think that when Norwood is not playing, I think it hurts us, especially in the run game. Uh, so that's going to hurt. And, again, he may not get to see the field again because he is a senior. I was just writing down the seniors here. And also uh, George Campbell. Man, what do you say yeah, about I the know. kid? He comes from Florida State, didn't have a whole lot. He was injured there. Didn't get to play. He's been plagued with injuries his whole career. That's how he ends yeah, up here. But, uh, and man, he's a touchdown machine. He is. He's a, he's a senior. I was just looking at some of the seniors. You know, we're going to have Keith Washington last home game. Yep. Uh, Colton McKivitz, Kennedy McCoy, uh, the, your punter Groudon, uh, and Hakeem Bailey. Kudos to him yeah. making the play at the end game of the game. Game-winning interception. He also is a senior. So I, I'm looking forward to it, but also it's going to be a tough – I believe it's going to be a tougher task in Morgantown than it was in uh, – And one thing you got to say about those seniors, uh, outside of Groudon and Campbell, who came here as transfers this year, when you're talking Bailey and Norwood and McKivitz and Kennedy McCoy, guys, these have been guys who have played a ton of football here. Reese Donahue. Reese Donahue, another guy, played a ton of football here. And good for them. For sticking it out through this coaching change. They could have took their way out and got out of here like so many people did. And they stuck around here and decided they were going to give it everything they had for us this year. And the names you just mentioned, God, they've been all over the place this year, Kelly. They, they really have. Um, it's uh, It's been tough, but like I said, it's. I mean, you, basically every week they're trying to find the pieces of the puzzle and see which ones is going to fit best. And those names that you just mentioned, those are the guys that this young freshman class, these sophomores and freshmen that are coming in, they see how they've responded this year to the adversity. This is who they're going to follow. So when you're talking about changing the culture of a football team, those guys you just mentioned are the ones that have set the foundation for what will hopefully begin here um, next year, the year after that, and so on in the Neil Brown tenure. One thing that I am looking forward to, guys, in this game. So last week, you went up against a very good defensive football team in Kansas State. Oklahoma State is not as strong defensively. They're giving up... 425 yards a game. They're giving up 28 points a game. You know, you look down some of their scores. uh, People have scored against these guys. Baylor scored. Texas Tech scored. You know, 
people have been able to move the football against Oklahoma State. I am really looking forward to see how Jarrett Dogie performs against this offense. And, and I apologize to him. Sometimes I say Dogie. Sometimes I say Deggy. I know it's Deggy. I will get it before he leaves here. I promise. But guys, who do you think needs to step up offensively to have a shot at beating this team? Do we need to see more out of the running backs? Does the passing game need to come through more? What do we need to see on Saturday? After his big game, he was he was a no show. I know against Kansas State. So I think that James needs to step back up and. Uh, That's an interesting comment. Okay, because Sam James, he did. He had that big game, and we mentioned earlier how things changed a little bit offensively. You got more guys involved. You saw Brandon Wheaton step up. You saw George Campbell, who was just known for catching touchdown passes, come through and make some big plays. Do you think the change in quarterback also frees up other guys? Yes, I do. And again, if uh, if you read the article, um, Campbell is roommates with Deggy. Okay. They came in, so they already have a uh, a bond continuity together. There, yeah, they have a bond already. So I'm I'm sure that uh, they even spoke about it before the game and said, "Wouldn't it be great if your first touchdown pass comes to me?" You know, Campbell says so they're roommates. So uh, yeah, they have a bond there, and I think that uh, I think you got to look for him though. He's still a playmaker. Yes. I know he's had some trouble with his hands this year a little bit, but he's still a big playmaker. And I think James is going to have to get involved if we're going to move the football and be successful this weekend. Sean Ryan was I, – I, I didn't see much of him. I know he was back off injury last week. That's another name we need to see. It? Sean Ryan. Ryan, and also where was TJ? Yeah, TJ was cleared to play, and all he of a sudden – He was still questionable, though. Was so he still he questionable? He not have been able to go. Or not go as much. We have yeah. some playmakers. We, we do. get them all together on we the same We do, page. and you hope that line starts to gel a little bit. Now that you got some – more solid guys in place. You just hope to see that. Neil, any more thoughts here? West Virginia, Oklahoma State this Saturday. I, I just, uh, again, uh, you know, our running game looked good in the, the first half against Kansas State. I thought uh, McCoy, he has got to get going too. And if he if if we're going to try to get a running game, he looked good at times there. He, he was able to cut back, get to the hole, and that there was holes there. So you can't say the offensive line wasn't making some holes. They did, uh, however, Kansas State uh, did a better job in the second half of controlling our running game. But when you got an arm like uh, I, it, it just makes me wonder if you look at this film. If you're Oklahoma State and you've seen that Daigie uh, can use his arm, is it going to put a little bit less men in that box and to hmm. stop the run that they'll back off a little bit and we'll maybe have a running game? And and that's when McCoy and Letty Brown have to step step up. Yes. Whoever's in that game, they got to step huge up. Point, Neil. I mean, because all year long we haven't been able to. They're just mm-hmm. they're bringing everybody. They're just bringing everybody, bringing the house. So when you start to get the, a quarterback that can get out of the pocket, yes. that changes the whole dynamics, and it gives us an opportunity to run the football. That's a great point. Kickoff is set for 12 noon this Saturday, Neil. That means we're on the air at? 8.30. Very good. Taught you well. You came prepared today. <laughs> 8.30 here on your Mountaineer station with the pregame show. Brought to you by MSN by IMG Learfield College. Tony Caridi will have the call of the game at 12 noon. So if you're watching on the ESPN broadcast, please turn your television down and turn your radio up and listen 
to the man, Tony Caridi. We'll be back. We'll talk college football playoff. The top four did not change this week, but still got a lot to talk about, okay? You're listening to The Blitz on 96.7 K-Country and simulcast on the Sports Roundtable podcast. Neil, I give you mad props this week, man. Hey, that's a good one, isn't it? The best Neil Waldeck song of the week we've had in quite a while. I love it. Big Kid Rock fan. Are you a big Kid Rock fan, are you? I figured it, uh, you know, I'd juice it up just a little bit on the show here uh, this evening and and go with a little bit of Kid Rock. Much appreciated. Yeah. And I'm sure everybody listening is doubting you a little bit less right now. Doubting you a little less. Why? In your, um, well, you know, I build you up. So much for being this old radio guy that loves spinning the tunes. I I just try. I'm I'm trying to mix it up. I'm trying to get a flavor out there. (laughs) I had a lot of people that was on my case. They was like, I think you should go with Kid Rock. I had a couple songs I was going to go with, but, uh, you know, I was persuaded to go with Cowboy. I think I had something to do with that. I think you did, Chris. (laughs) The Neil Waldeck song of the week. Let's just go just a little bit longer. Really good Huge Kid Rock fan. Huge Kid Rock fan. I saw, I saw him three times. I, I got to tell everybody that. Yeah, once when he was just starting, once with Aerosmith, which was a great concert, and then here recently he went out on tour last last year, two years ago. Went and saw him again. Man, love Kid Rock. Yeah, we're completely off topic now, aren't we? He's a great entertainer, though. He is. He is yes. completely off topic. Guys, a uh, hot button. I want to get your guys' opinion on real quick. I am sure everybody is aware that Tua Tagovailoa suffered a very, very scary injury at the end of the first half after um, Alabama was already up 38 to whatever it was. 35-7. 35-7 going into halftime. Um, there was... A lot of question going into that game if he should even play because he was already dealing with an ankle injury. They're playing a very weak Mississippi State team that they probably didn't need even half of their starters out there to beat. And they're up 35-7. to They're keeping him out there. Saban says it's to practice a two-minute drill. Your thoughts, guys. Should have Tua been on the field in that situation, should he have even started the game? I don't think, you know, I mean, you knew you were going to beat this team. I wouldn't have played him myself. I would have saved him. I uh, got him ready for my Auburn game that I got coming up. But instead, they uh, Saban uh, decides to go with him and look now what you got. Now you could probably just hurt yourself from getting in the playoffs where Alabama's used to being. I found it very ironic that the announcer right before the play actually said, how much longer do you play him? Mm. And on that play, if you look it up and look up the injury, and, and the announcer actually says, how much longer do you stay with him? And on that particular play, right as he says that, he goes, goes down. down. And this is a Bo Jackson type yeah. injury. My it, brother-in-law pointed Bo that Jackson, out to me. Yeah, And it cost him his career. Yeah. 
Uh, same injury, according to my brother-in-law, because I, I don't remember Bo getting um, injured like that. I, I was young, but he said it was almost identical, yeah. and you listen to what actually happened. Now, thank goodness, um, you know, procedures and stuff have changed a lot since Bo Jackson. They do expect him to make a full recovery. He did undergo surgery this week, and a lot of a lot of talk uh, is going to be brought on to Nick Saban about this. You're playing Mississippi State, and you get your FCS opponent this week. Should Tua have just been set for two weeks and lead you right into Auburn? I think he should have been. They would have won without him. What a little now here going forward. Okay, going forward, let's say because let's face it. Alabama is not as good on defense as what's once they once were. Back a few years back, Nick Saban didn't even need a quarterback. He, didn't. he needed a game manager and he just beat you with defense. Yep. Now you're in a situation where you're going to a game manager of a quarterback that's going to have to run the ball a lot and your defense is not as good. So let's play a little devil's advocate here on Nick Saban and how will this be like the the thing that starts the downward spiral for Alabama? Because, all right, there's going to be a lot of pressure already on Saban. Why'd you play him? You go out, you lose to Auburn, you don't make the playoff, you go to the Sugar Bowl, like that's a horrible thing, but it is to them. And then the questions are the rest of the year pointed, pointing fingers at Nick Saban. Where do you think this goes? I think it's a, a person that, who has had so much success that that's what's going to happen. So when you have that much success and you've won as many championships as Nick Saban, you know, you get used to it. You get spoiled. And do I think that they're going to say a whole lot? I don't know. I don't, I don't think that the fans are going to really point too many fingers. I think they love him. I think that uh, he is the man. He's been the man. Although, can you question it? Sure. Fans uh, are fickle. It, fans know. are fickle. Neil Waldeck, your thoughts? It, but I, I think that overall they'll they'll understand. My big thing is for I feel sorry for Tua because yeah. it just cost him millions, possibly oh, millions yeah. and millions of Very dollars. Very well could have. Very well could have with draft talk starting up. Neil, your last thoughts on this situation? I mean, uh, the thing is, is uh, we'll see what uh, Mac Jones can do. That's the uh, freshman quarterback that will be coming in. Game manager. Um, and, and, yeah, uh, I just see that uh, – you know, Saban uh, will retool, and, and he'll go out and get him a good quarterback to come in if Tua can't go next year. And uh, he'll he'll turn, uh, you know, he'll uh, correct the ship. Uh, it's kind of off sale right now, but he knows he'll correct it and get it back on, on track. So I really think, uh, you know, this season may be down. We'll see how uh, they can handle it without Tua in there at the quarterback slot. Um, can they beat Auburn? That'll be a, a question uh, down the road here that we'll – soon be to ask, and if they can, uh, then they may be able to jump into the playoffs. Well, to enter the draft and not play again and know what he has or what he has been, Yeah. do you even chance coming back and playing college football now? Or do you feel like you have to because you feel your stock has been hurt well, by and this? That's a good question. I think that's a good good debate right there. Guys, the playoff committee released the third ranking last night. And, guys, no change in the top seven. LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Utah. Are you guys still okay with all of that? Yes. Still good. 
Still good. Yeah. Now, what if Oregon can beat Arizona State this week while Alabama is playing an FCS opponent? Is that enough to jump Oregon over Alabama next week? I think it's what it's going to come down to is the Alabama-Auburn game because, Chris, we talked about Auburn being the team that beat Oregon. Mm-hmm. And actually, every time that Auburn loses now, we went through that scenario yeah. last week, yeah. Oregon's stock yeah, yeah. is Thanks, actually Auburn. going down a little bit because of Auburn losing. Yeah, And that hurts Oregon when it comes to that. So if Auburn can end up beating Alabama, I think that week Oregon actually gets uh, maybe have a Helps. better opportunity. So you don't think just by Alabama playing an FCS opponent and Oregon beating an FBS opponent, that leaps them this week? I don't think it'll be enough, but I think it'd be nice if it would. I'd like to see Oregon Neil, jump in. Neil I, shaking I his head yes. I, I'm on that wagon too because now the committee is also saying, well, they're two of us. Too, you know, and they do look at things like that. They do. Is this team as good with Tua as they are with Mac Jones? And that will be a question in debate. Even if they beat Auburn, that's still going to be a big question. Is this a team with Tua? Is it the same team with Mac Jones? And it will come down to that eventually. Uh, Penn State jumps up to 8th. Oklahoma's up to ninth after that win against Baylor. Minnesota drops down only two spots after that loss to Iowa last week. Florida holds at 11. Wisconsin's up 2 to 12. Michigan's up 2 to 13. Baylor falls to 14. Just one spot in there. Auburn, thanks Auburn. They drop three spots to 15. Notre Dame holds at 16. Iowa's up three spots to 17. Then we get to our non-power five teams. Memphis jumped Cincinnati this week with Memphis struggling against South Florida. We will get Memphis and Cincinnati next week to decide that battle. And Boise State's right there with them. Boise State still lurking around just in case something crazy happens at 20 to get that New Year's Six bowl spot for the non-Power 5 schools. Guys, the only real game that's going to be possibly a shaker in the playoff playoffs for this week is Penn State setting at number 8 against number 2 Ohio State in Columbus. Can Penn State pull the upset and where would that move? Let's just say they it does. Let's say Penn State beats Ohio State. How far does that drop an undefeated Ohio State? Losing at home, I think, would actually hurt them even more. The fact that they're at home, I think it wouldn't hurt them as much if it was at Penn State and it was a close game. Uh, I think a lot of times score depends. They look at the score, actually, as well. And uh, so I I think that Ohio State losing to Penn State at home would actually hurt them to the point where because of, I mean, Penn State's like an Auburn. That could put Oregon up there. It could put Ohio State down to five. Question, the next question will be, Neil, you can take this one. Penn State ju- setting at eight. If they beat undefeated Ohio State, do they jump ahead of one loss Utah, one loss Oregon, one loss Alabama, one loss Georgia? If you're looking at their schedule of strength, yes. Yeah. yeah. They, that, so I it, would – I, I you, there would be no way you could uh, kick them out of the top four. If, if they, they beat, beat Ohio State. State, you would almost have to think they would jump all the way up and take Georgia's spot. Yes. So it could be interesting if Penn State can pull that upset. And we will give you our thoughts and our pick on that game coming up next in our pick six segment. 
where we picked six of the top games in college football this week. And for you guys listening on the podcast, don't worry. We got five exclusive picks just for you. So you might want to turn over to the podcast and hear the final picks coming up as well. We're going to take a short break, come back, and we'll do pick six right after this. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to The Blitz on 96.7 K-Country. Simulcast on the Sports Roundtable podcast. I'm your host, Chris Westfall, alongside Neil Waldeck, Kelly Gamble, and Aaron Host. Again, taking a week to watch more video so he can see if he can increase this lead coming down the stretch. Let's get everybody up to date with our standings at this point in time young Aaron host wins another week guys he goes nine and two I go eight and three last week Neil seven and four Kelly down in the cellar at six and five Aaron now has a nine game lead on Kelly a six game lead on Neil and a three game lead on myself young Aaron host man he is being he's starting to prove himself as a tough man to beat as we come down the stretch. Guys, we've got this week left. We get rivalry week next week. And we get championship week the week after that. So three, three, three weeks, weeks and then we roll into bowl season. So, Kelly, hang in there. Oh, I'm good. Keep it keep it as close as you can into bowl season because I think that's where we're all going to track him down at. I'm just lurking around. Just lurking. <laughs> I don't know if it's lurking right now. <laughs> Not when it comes to the leader, but I'm, I'm still okay. working close to Neil. <laughs> There's no prizes for third place. No, that's all right. I just don't want to get last. Good fellowship at dinner that you have to pay for. <laughs> Somebody has to be last, and I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah. It was Aaron last year, Yeah, and you did spend quite a bit of time at the top last year. I did. The entire time until bowl, week, bowl season. Yeah, and see what happened there, right? Neil tracked yeah. you down, caught you. Neil, Neil caught me in over... over Took me in the, yeah. in the bowl season, but I was actually led from the beginning to the end, either tied or in first the entire year until the bowl season. All right, guys, let's start our pick six segment. This is where we pick six of the top games in college football this week, starting with the big one in the big house. Number eight, Penn State will travel to Columbus at nine and one to take on the second ranked Buckeyes, one of three undefeated teams left. This game will take place at noon on Fox. College game day will also be in Columbus this Saturday. Kelly, since you're down at the bottom, let's go to you first. Maybe you can change it right here this week. No, I'm not going to pick an upset here. I think Ohio State rolls into the Big Ten Championship. I will take Ohio State. Uh, If it was being played in Happy Valley... Um, might have won an upset here, but I, I think Ohio State gets it done at home. Neil Waldeck. Uh, yeah, I like the uh, Buckeyes in this matchup. And, of course, our leader, uh, Aaron, also has picked Ohio State to win this matchup. So we got a clean Buckeye sweep in the no- noon game on Fox. Texas at 6-4, and four, coming off a loss to Iowa State last week, will travel to Waco to take on the Bears, who are also coming off a loss of their own. 
Guys, they gave up a 25-point lead. If it wasn't for them guys giving up a 25-point lead, I go 9-2 and two last week, and Aaron goes 8-3. and three. Unbelievable. 25-point lead the Baylor blew. Still taking them over Texas, though. I, I'm going to stick with my Baylor Bears this week beating Texas. Neil Waldeck. Uh, yeah, I like the uh, Baylor Bears in this matchup. Uh, I think both teams coming off tough losses. It'll be tough, but Baylor being at home, I like them in this matchup. And Aaron, uh, he likes uh, the Texas Longhorns in this matchup. So he's he's taking the Longhorns. He thinks they can prevail over the Baylor Bears. Kelly's got a smile on his face. Are you getting one back here, Kelly? Well, not on Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go Texas. I think that Baylor's going to come off of a letdown. I, I went to bed with thinking that Baylor was undefeated, got up the next morning, checked the score, and had a very hard time believing oh, man. that Oklahoma overcame that deficit. So you're so, taking the Longhorns. I think that they may have a little letdown. I'm going to go with Texas. Okay. Let's move to the ACC just for a second, guys. Very important game in the ACC Coastal. If Pitt wins, Pitt will need Virginia Tech to knock off Virginia next week for Pitt to go to the ACC championship game. If Virginia Tech wins against Pitt this week, Virginia, Virginia Tech next week for the ACC Coastal Division Championship. Neil Waldeck, Pitt at Virginia Tech, 330 ESPN2. Uh, this one's a, a tough one because Pittsburgh's playing pretty good football right now, uh, but I'm going to lean towards Virginia Tech Hokies in this matchup. I think they... Uh, prevail being at home, and and also Aaron, our leader, also picks Virginia Tech Hokies in this matchup. Kelly, I do as well. North Carolina almost helped me a little bit last almost. week. They came back, put it in overtime, but uh, Pitt prevailed uh, this week. I think Virginia Tech though will knocks Pitt out of the race. Man, I tell you what, I took Pitt and Marshall last week, and I prevailed. Won both of those games. I can't pick Pitt. Two weeks in a row, guys. I, I mean, I have a hard time picking Virginia Tech. But Virginia Tech has been a different team since that Notre Dame game. And I think Virginia Tech, and they'll win and go play Virginia next week for that divisional title. Moving back to the Big 12, we get Kansas State coming off the loss to us last week. They travel to Texas Tech where they're coming off a loss. To TCU, Texas Tech needs to win two in a row to get bowl eligible. Can they do it, Kelly? I'm going with them because they're at home. Kansas State again with the letdown against us, and uh, I think Texas Tech has a chance to steal one here. I am going to go Wildcats. I like Kansas State on the road. Uh, Texas Tech's a weird team to me. I I don't get them yet, so I'm going to stick with Kansas State. Neil Waldeck. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Kansas State uh, bounces back. Texas Tech, uh, they had an opportunity with TCU, couldn't uh, pull in the win at home. Uh, I like uh, Kansas State. Also, Aaron, the uh, front leader here in the picks, he likes uh, the Wildcats as well. Moving on, let's run down the Big 12 championship game scenarios. Oklahoma can clinch this week if they beat TCU. Baylor will clinch a spot in the Big 12 championship game if they beat Texas this week. If Baylor loses, Texas would need Baylor to lose to Kansas 
next week for Texas to go. So Oklahoma-Baylor kind of looking like the Big 12 championship game, and what a game to have a rematch of. Guys, I'm going to take Oklahoma clinching their spot, beating TCU this week. TCU will need a win against us two weeks from now to get bowl eligible. Neil Waldeck. Yeah, I like the uh, Sooners over uh, the Horn Frogs, and also Aaron uh, likes the Sooners as well. And Kelly. Clean sweep. All right, guys, our game is noon this Saturday on ESPN2. You can also hear the game telecast with Tony Caridi right here on 96.7 K-Country, your Mountaineer station. Taking on the 21st-ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys. Coming in at 7-3, and three, it is senior day for West Virginia and their seniors. Neil Waldeck, which way are you going? Will West Virginia... Have a chance to get bowl eligible next week against TCU. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Oklahoma State Cowboys escape with a win. It's going to be close, but uh, I think Oklahoma State uh, comes out on top. Now, our leader, Aaron Host, he likes Diggy and the Mountaineers. So he's, he's taking the Mountaineers. He's back on the bandwagon. He's trying to prove a point with me that now Diggy's in there and we're going to win. Kelly, do you feel comfortable taking the Mountaineers. I know you were off the wagon. You even said last week you wouldn't pick them again. Do you change your heart now? No. No, still going Oklahoma State? Yeah, I mean, as much as I want them to win again, I mean, I just, no, I don't think they'll win against Oklahoma State. Guys, I think West Virginia comes into this game. They they have a newfound confidence in themselves. I, I expect this to be a very close, hard-fought game that might come down to the last possession. At the end of the day, too much Chuba Hubbard, and West Virginia still just can't score enough points. Oklahoma State wins a close one, 31-27. to I want everybody to tune over or stay tuned to the podcast. We got five more exclusive picks coming up for you on there. On the Blitz, we're done for the night. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much for listening right here on 96.7 K-Country, your Mountaineer station. And thank you for either staying tuned or tuning in to the Sports Roundtable podcast, our first dive into the podcasting worlds. It's been fun so far this year giving you this and being able to simulcast our Blitz show to everyone out there that's listening all over the United States. Thank you once again for listening each and every week. We have five exclusive picks for you for just tuning in to the podcast tonight. Guys, let's start with two of those non-Power 5 schools that are trying to get that New Year's 6 bowl game bid. Navy's uh, hopes kind of got dashed last week by taking it on the chin from their rival Notre Dame. They will host the 25th ranked SMU Mustangs setting at 9-1, Navy at 7-2, 3-30 on the CBS Sports Network. Kelly Gamble, you're in last. You go first. I think SMU it's be a shootout. I think SMU is going to throw the ball over the field, and I think they're going to have a hard time stopping Navy's run, but I think SMU prevails. I think Navy actually slows SMU down a little bit and keeps this one very, very close and low scoring. But at the end of the day, SMU still outscores them. I'll go Mustangs. Neil Waldeck. Yeah, I like uh, SMU uh, in this matchup and also 
Aaron uh, likes SMU uh, to defeat uh, Navy. We knew Aaron wasn't going to pick Navy. No. No. Hey, guys, I do have a way for all of us to get a game back. Army-Navy here in a couple weeks. You know Aaron's going to go Army, and Army's going to win that game. That could backfire in our face, but we all could get one game back by just making him pick that game. What do you think? (laughs) Because you know he's going to pick Army. He's got to. He's obligated. All right, let's stick with these non-Power 5 schools. Cincinnati got jumped last week by Memphis. Memphis is sitting right in front of them. And Cincinnati will play Memphis next week. Does Temple catch Cincinnati looking ahead to next week? 7-3 and three, Temple and 9-1 and one Cincinnati ranked 19th. Neil Waldeck. Uh... No, this is the uh, Temple Cincinnati. Here. You weren't even paying attention Temple, to Cincinnati. me. <laughs> and uh, I am going to go with Cincinnati in this matchup. I like uh, Cincinnati at home, uh, although it should be a competitive game. And then also uh, Aaron is going with the Temple Owls. In this oh, match. here's an opportunity. Kelly Gamble. I think Fickle continues to be one of the top coaches that's going to be on the board if there's an opening, and I think they continue to roll. I think Cincinnati handles Temple. Um, Even though they struggled with South Florida last week, I think they know they got too much riding to get to next week where they're at. They can't suffer a loss, so I'm going to take Cincinnati as well. The battle for Los Angeles, uh, a game that's usually played during rivalry week, Next week gets bumped up so we can talk about one of these rivalry games. Chip Kelly and UCLA, 4-6 and six on the year at the 23rd-ranked USC Trojans, ranked 7-4, and four, being played at the Coliseum. Guys, I got USC, but I think Chip Kelly keeps it close and interesting. Neil Waldeck. I like uh, USC in this matchup as well, as well as uh, Aaron does too. UCLA has played a lot better, but I just don't think they have enough yet uh, against USC, so it's a clean sweep. Oregon at number six. Can they jump Alabama this week? Alabama with an FCS opponent, while Oregon will travel on the road and face a team trying to get bowl eligible in Arizona State. They're setting at 5-5. Five and five. Kelly Gamble, Oregon, Arizona State. The Ducks fly high. You're you're sticking on your ducks, aren't you? I am. I'm hoping they somehow sneak into that playoff. I'm with you on this game. I'm taking Oregon. Neil Waldeck. Yeah, I think uh, here's my thing. If Oregon dominates Arizona State, I do think they jump over Alabama. But they'd have to come out and dominate. I know they're going to win, but I'd like to see a good domination of Oregon in this game. Also, Aaron likes uh, the ducks as well. Here's an interesting for you interesting one for you out of the Big Ten Conference. Indiana is at 7-3. and three. Uh, Played a tough game last week against Penn State. Didn't prevail, but played tough. Hosting Michigan at number 13. They're at 8-2. and two. Kelly Gamble, do you see an upset here? Man, I want to. 
<laughs> I want to see one. I'd like to see Indiana win that game, but no, I'm taking Michigan. And how about you, Mr. Neil Waldeck? If any of the games that you had uh, on our picks, this would be the yeah, one. Yeah, this is the like, one you could see. Yeah, I could see being an upset because Indiana played Penn State very tough last week. Almost won that game. They, I think uh, Penn State maybe won that by a touchdown. Mm. But uh, I'm going to say Michigan prevails just because they have a solid defense, and I think that's what gives them the edge in this one, and they prevail. Also, Aaron likes the Wolverines as well. Trap game, possibly? I you know Indiana what? has their best team that I've ever seen since I've been yeah. a kid. And you, you know what? Michigan's got lurking next week. The game. Ohio State. State, is it a trap game? Do they stay at 8-2? and two? I want to take it so bad, but I, I just think I? Michigan – Michigan a little too much. We might all kick ourselves in the butt on that one come the end of the day on Saturday. Well, everybody, thanks for joining us once again here on the Sports Roundtable podcast. We'll talk to you next week.